This is the Rockstar Violinist Podcast, and that is my friend, Jesus Florido. I am your host, Matt Bell. We have had some amazing musicians on this podcast, and Jesus is no exception. Not only is his resume incredible, he's played with everyone from Whitney Houston to Itzhak Perlman to Page and Plant. Uh, Led Zeppelin, anyone? But his knowledge and experience in modern violin is nearly unparalleled. Hey, this episode is sponsored by Electric Violin Shop, the world leader in electric bowed strings, instruments, and technology. Located in Durham, North Carolina, but shipping to 90 countries around the world, EVS is truly a global force in electric strings. Visit their website at electricviolinshop.com today. Uh, we're listening to the title track from Jesus's solo album called Heading North. You can find it on iTunes, and I highly recommend it. We'll give you a little taste today, but it is well worth buying. As a note, if you're enjoying this podcast, I'm going to ask you to do us a favor. Please give us a five-star review and leave a comment on whatever platform you use to listen. That'll help us a bunch. Now, I recorded a ton of conversation between us in Anaheim, California in January, but I'm going to jump in here where we are talking about acoustic violin microphones and how to get that tone that we are all looking for. So please enjoy this chat with Jesus Florido, rock star violinist. So yeah, I'm very happy, man. And then I, I, did, I just did and did a whole board just for it, to play acoustic. So like I put, uh, the, I have to have a white pedal, but uh, <laughs> even if it's acoustic, but I have a white pedal in the, in the reverb and the delay, you know, and the compressor, but just to minimum, you know, just to complement sure. the sound. Because no matter what, if you mic a violin, it's going to be really dry when it comes out. Yeah. So you need to put a little hint of, uh, I like this this layer of the reverb with a little hint of delay. Okay. You know, very, very soft. Just um, And it gives more body to the sound sure. when it comes out through the speakers. Yep. Minimum reverb and, and then point one yeah. <laughs> of delay. You know, it's just that those waves, my engineer called it the subtones, you know, yep. kind of opens the sound a little more. So you sound a little bigger. Because there's no good way to amplify the violin, you know. It's, I mean, like an acoustic violin. Yeah, it's been, I mean, I feel like everybody in the world, that's the holy grail, right? Yes. Is going to be this, some device that doesn't prevent or doesn't present feedback. It captures all the sort of the nuances and the woodiness yes. of the instrument. Yes. But it, but it sounds like what I want the device to sound like is what my violin sounds like from six feet away. Exactly. Not not from right under my ear, yes. but from six feet away in a nice room. Exactly. And that's that's the holy grail. That's the holy grail right there. And it's funny you say that because I had dinner with them last night. Okay. And that's pretty much what I told them. The sound that you're striving for when you're doing this because they just came out with an improved version, you know. And I said, uh, Steve, the guy who, the inventor who came out with the thing, I said, listen, what you're looking for is not the, si- the sound inside the body. Don't concentrate on that. You need to concentrate on the sign of the, of the, with the sound that is a few feet away, right. you know, and, you know, six, 12 feet away. That's the sound that you want. Uh, and that's what a lot of people miss, the, right. you know. 
Um, well, because we're so used to close mic and everything, right? Exactly. With guitar cabinets, we're you know we're trying to put the mic like we're touching the cone. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> singers are touching the yeah. microphone, and, and drums we're close mic and everything. Yeah. With a violin, you really want you want some air. Yeah, of course, because and you I love the woodiness of of the instrument. Because otherwise, uh, um, why do you need a good violin then? Just get some right. cheap piece of crap that you can. Uh, and I'm, I'm a violin freak, man. I mean, I've, you can tell. I mean, you know, that I've been doing this a long time, and I've tried many things. And I, you know, I like my violins to sound good. I really care about sound, and I haven't gotten it always right, but I keep trying. <laughs> you know, and I have this discussion with Jean-Luc Ponty. Actually, it was very interesting because when I did my first record, I asked him for. I mean, we've kind of known each other a little bit, and I wrote him and I said, you know, I wanted to help, and, and he gave me. Two pieces of advice, and he said, "Make sure you play acoustic and electric in your in your record." And he said, "Make sure you develop a really good sound, because all the shitty sound that he had with Barkus Barry on his mm. recordings, when he comes now with a better violin, people don't like it. They want that sound. Oh goodness! And he's very frustrated by that. Oh, I'm sure. You know, people want that Zeta sound. They right. want the the, the Barkus Barry sound and the man has moved on. Right. You He's know? Like, Listen, that's the sound I had because that's the best thing that was available. Exactly. That's the best thing they had now. And, and it's funny, the first electric violin, I mean, pick up the electric violin that was a Barkus Berry, like his. I went to New York, you know, and I and I asked around, I want to buy a fiddle like the one, I was 13 years old, I wanted to have a violin like John Luke Ponty. Sure. So I didn't find a, a uh, purple one but I found a black one <laughs> and that was cool yeah and my first band was a punk rock band where we beat the shit out of all the amps and you know scream and you know the typical punk band you know and you're playing violin yeah awesome with a with a with a little old Marshall amp and a little distortion pedal and a wah pedal and that's how I started man that's awesome and you got recordings just, of that no of oh, course, it's so sad. I, I, you have no idea. I'm traumatized by it, but not. We didn't think about it, right? We were doing shows at the. I, the I played school. a bunch of bands that I wish to God now I had tape of. You know, it's it's like, I wish, man, because first of all, we didn't sound half bad. The drummer was amazing. So drummer, you know, when you have well, a great drummer, right, you have to have a great drummer. And you have the great drummer, and this guy was a clock. You know, I mean, this he was like right on a. So we could build on top of that. The guitar player was okay, but he was loud enough, and the singer was loud enough, and you know, we're just kids messing around. Right. And 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 the, I tell people also that was the beginning of my double life, because I had a double life, playing in that band and playing playing classical music. So my friends in the band didn't believe me that I played in the symphony, right. and my friends in the symphony didn't believe I played in the band. <laughs> so story of my life. Right. You know. Um, and, and that's what set me in this path that I've taken, <laughs> you know, as a violin. It's just like, I'm always, I was always looking for, what else? What else? What else? Can, can I try that? And then I wanted to take always the violin out of context. And I'm in the mission. <laughs> I'm in a mission, like the, Blue Brothers, the Blues Brothers. Right. Um, I want to make the electric violin a legitimate instrument. I really believe it's not yet. People don't treat it as such. 
I think yeah, I think that the the string community is still very much it's, trying to hold yeah, it at arm's length. Yeah, I know, I know, and 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 you know, so I try, I try, you know, not to do that, and and um, now I'm I'm getting a bigger uh, a bigger soapbox. You know, with this, I'm doing a project for PBS that's coming out in two years, and it's huge. Awesome. <laughs> so there's going to be a show about you, or you're providing the music? No, I, it's a, it's a, it's called Sonoro Latino. Mm-hmm. I can now it's all trademarked and everything. My lawyer goes, "Don't say anything." <laughs> <laughs> um, it's basically Trans-Siberian for like for Latin music. Okay. You know. We grabbed, uh, but instead of using Christmas music, I'm using classical music. Sure. I want to play year-round. Well, yeah. you know, you got to eat year-round. Exactly. i got to eat <laughs> yeah. year-round. I cannot only eat at Christmas. Uh, so we're doing the four seasons. Oh, wow. But we're doing, uh, it's, it's it's pretty amazing, man. Um, four percussionists doing all this incredible stuff. And we're doing the four seasons to the score. Okay. I'm just... Messing a little bit with the harmonies and the rhythm, obviously. Sure. But we're doing exciting. We're not changing or watering anything down. The parts are equally hard. <laughs> right. Or anything, you know what I mean? Um, but it's basically a, you know, 60, 70 piece, you know, people on our, and, and the, the wow. stage doing And this. a huge production and, and all that. And a huge production with the screens and the app that comes with it. Uh, the show comes with an app. Wow. Yeah. Because I'm tired of people. Right. Phone. So, uh, okay, yeah. you want to do that? Okay, let me put make the phones part of the show. Yeah. So, Brilliant. Yeah, I, I came out with... I mean, I've been always bothered by that. People put crappy videos of you or me right. on YouTube and you research and... Man, Matt sounds like crap, man. You shouldn't... You know, yeah. So you have no permission to do that. I mean, and I don't want to say don't do it. I just say, okay, let me, let me use the phones... As part of the show. Sure. Anyway, so this is taking me four years of putting together, which is, it's been very hard, but but also rewarding because I think I cracked a little bit of a formula that I can share with my friends and say, Matt, hey, listen, you can use it with your band and you can use, you can use it on the big show or a small show, but it's the business end of music that we need to change. Sure. But the music business changed, but we haven't. Right. We still want to get signed. We still want to, you know, we still dream. Sure. But, but the, 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 the issue is that the infrastructure is not there anymore. You're not going to get a song in the radio and be famous. Right. You know? So um, I needed to figure out how I was going to earn a living because they keep changing. <laughs> right. They told me if I do this, when I get here, I was going to have this. And then when I got there, there I got anymore. signed by Warner. And I'm like, yes. And they were saying, you're going to be, the Warner wanted to pitch me as the, uh, the Latin Jean-Luc Ponty. But I was going, but I'm not a jazz player. You know, but whatever. They signed me. I'm, but six months later, they dropped me. You know? Um, and uh, I called my record heading north with, a, with the purpose of, that's where I'm going. Right. When I did that record, I didn't want to necessarily... See, I, what I wanted is to show the possibilities of the violin. This is a, and when you hear the distortion and stuff I got in there, it's like a lot of people don't know it's even a violin mm-hmm. because they never heard a violin under distortion and 
and it really good distortion. And all the things that I have to run that through to make it sound, I mean, I sat in a room with Gary Howey, and we figured this out, you know, and we're running through Soldano heads and groove, groove tubes and all these things to make it sound as fat. Right. I wanted a fat sound, and yeah, it's like really I hard. Yeah, the sound in my head. Yeah, not, the sound. Now I need to hear that sound with my ears. Exactly, exactly. So, um, from that point on, I mean, that was kind of a, the end result of all these years that I've been experimenting and doing things. But that was only where I was going, you know, and thanks to technology, and things are actually getting better. Sure. You know, technology is improving day by day. Uh, people still refuse to make gear for electric violin. I mean, it's yeah. Welcome to my world, man. Exactly. You know, oh, I'm, I'm in retail. I'm, I'm, I'm so, preaching to the choir. Yeah, there's there's a thousand <coughs> guitar players for every violinist. Yeah. So we just have to. We, we just have, have to. We have to try to find the guitar gear. But I remember for across. many years I used uh, actually my record. I recorded with a VF1, the little Roland Boss. Okay. Actually, a VF1, and the only reason. Why I picked the the VF one is because it was the cleanest uh, effects processor out there. I tried. I went to the shop with my engineer, and we we listened. There was always noise. This was the only one that was quiet, nothing. Wow! And I said, okay, this is what you have to work. With. That's what he told me. And I started messing with it, and the entire record sounded with that. Okay. You know, and we ran it. Uh, through a Soldano amp, uh, SL100, mm -hmm. uh, and some Wah pedal, I mean, just a regular Wah pedal. And uh, actually, one of the songs that is not in the record, actually, that song is not in the record. I used the Ottawa, and it just came out really great. The, the way the, the, the lines came out, I said, oh, this is, that's the only song I ever done with Ottawa. Yeah, the Ottawa I use uh, because I play in a band that doesn't have a keyboard player. So mm -hmm. in order for me to cover a lot of synth parts and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. I like using an auto wah. Uh, um, because with the bow, with a guitar player, when he hits the thing, it just uh-huh. But with a bow, I can control the whole envelope of the sound, and I can yeah. make that wah open and close and, and talk for me. Yeah. Um, you've just got so much more control over that auto wah with a bow than a guitar yes. player does with a pick. Yeah, you're right. And that's, that's, uh, that was, again, experimenting with that. And uh, uh, it was, in, it was an, a, a very incredible experience because I sat in the room for a month with nothing but in a full studio. Mm -hmm. You know, playing. And that's what it takes. That's what it takes. And I, I'm very proud of that record, man. I, still to this day because... Um, from the composition, from the arranging, from the violin sound. I even went as far as all the acoustic stuff. I, I have a uh, Jonathan Cooper make me a five string. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, I, I ordered it, but it takes a long time. You know, sure. By the time John calls me to tell me the violin is done, I'm done with the record. <laughs> I mean, I was actually doing the last Overdogs. And I... Uh, he says, as soon as the fiddle's ready, I remember it was a Tuesday. And I said, ship it overnight. And he overnight, which cost me another, whatever, 500 bucks. Right. To ship from Maine to Chicago. Wow. You know? And the violin came on a Tuesday, on the Wednesday, the next Wednesday. But in the afternoon, I had the violin. So I practiced that afternoon 
on Thursday morning, my engineer came. And I said, you know, I want to try this fiddle on the mic. I think the varnish is still wet. Yeah. See what I mean? The fiddle was finished on Tuesday, on Monday. Right. On that Thursday, we put the mic. And, uh, and my engineer goes, way, 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 way. This is way too good. And then we re-recorded oh. the acoustic tracks, which took me another week. Wow. <laughs> but it's just, and I was playing, I had a, a the violin that I used originally, my violin at the time, was a Giulio Gidantes 1792. So it's a big fiddle. Right. So, Oh, somewhere in the eighty thousand to hundred thousand dollar range, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a nice. And it's brand new. What's that about? But kicking the balls, you know. And uh, and yeah, I've recorded the whole thing. This tune is called Blackpool. This is the acoustic violin he was just talking about. Son Minegra because this this is I have a like you probably can tell by now I, I listen to a lot of different music mm -hmm. you know if you ask me I'm a rocker heart that is my music but people say oh but you're Latino oh but you're Italian oh but you know they want to stick a label in my right. face and I'm like I'm a musician right I happen to play the violin that's the tool I, I, I've got but I uh, I'm a musician I like all kinds. I love bebop. I love all this music. Don't, don't necessarily put me. I mean, but if I want to be something, I want to be a rock star. You know, I want to be a rocker. You know, I play in rock bands all my life, all my life. But I was doing this album has a lot of meanings, and each song has a message. I mean, I'm very particular about things that I do, and the artwork is specific, done by an artist, and you know, everything has a meaning. I wanted to, I owe a lot of my music knowledge and open-mindedness to my dad. My dad listened to everything. When I was 11, he bought me Kind of Blue mm. and gave it to me and says, this record is going to change your life. For sure. I didn't know. I didn't understand. I listened to the record. Yeah, that, it, that record changed my life to the point that my second Viper is nicknamed Miles. Miles. Okay. You know? So when you were 11, though, like you could understand that at 11. I, I, I liked it. I couldn't understand right. it. It took me years, obviously. Right. But I was going to feel really bad because if you understood that at oh, 11, no, 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 I was no, like, no, no, wow. that, I, I'm not going to say it went over my head. It did something to me. Sure. I didn't know what. Right. But I, was, I listened to that record over and over and over. I mean, I know about heart. 
you know. Uh, so it was I, that's what I call it such a big influence. But I don't play that music. Right. You see what I mean? That's not the music I play. That doesn't mean that I don't love it. But I mean, it doesn't mean it hadn't colored your soul exactly. somehow yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, exactly. Very nice to lead to it. And um, so as I was going through this record, I was going through the, also the experimentation of that little VF1. Mm-hmm. There was this little thing. I don't know if you've ever seen them. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a half unit thing. Okay. Yeah, half rack. Yeah, half rack. Uh, half unit, half rack. Um, it says, I'm going, you know, what I do when I grab any new piece of equipment is I go through every setting and I play something. See what pops, and I make notes. I'm very organized. Oh, A two. Oh, this is good for this. A three. No, I don't like A three. A four. Oh, this could be used for a regular. A four. You know, and I make notes. Okay. So I went through the entire beat one, and I got to a radio, kind of a. You know, it sounds like an old radio, and I'm playing something, and and something clicked in my head, and I said like, my dad. My dad would love this sound. And I thought, well, if I, maybe I can do a little song for my dad. Sure. And so I grabbed, uh, in, uh, in our town in Venezuela, it's called Barquisimeto, where I'm from. It's, I tell people it's like the Nashville of Venezuela. A lot of great musicians are there, from there, and um, great composers. Great city to play live music. Um, I'm, um, I said, well, our typical dance from there so golpe tocuyano so, and I said well that might not work but maybe it's something in 6-8 you know so I played this little kind of a I just, it just popped in my head that little melody just popped in my head like that I played it and that was it you know it's one of those great composition moments yeah the, <laughs> the melody just popped out the best ones are ones that you yeah, just, it's just they just fall out of your head it just fall out of my head the, that melody the head of the it just popped out of my head just like that nice and I said, oh, what can I do with this? Yeah, but that's my dad's. So when you listen to the song, you hear that it starts like an old record. Okay. I, I even added the scratch. Okay. And I used that effect. See, we didn't add it, the effect after. This is my electric violin through a VF1. Okay. Okay. I mean, this is, I've never told this story <laughs> before. Well, see, we got exclusive content Exactly, you got exclusive yeah, content exactly. here. <laughs> you guys got to tell everybody. Yes. So, then I realized, okay, the melody is 6A. I said, yeah, but this record is more like Afro-Cuban. And I, I love playing with that uh, in, in Latin music. I played a lot with the rhythms combining 6A and 4-4. And four, four. Mm-hmm. You can... So I went, yeah, the emiola kind of thing. So I went and, okay, okay, and and it just popped in my head. Okay, I'm going to do the intro, old school, and then I'm going to show you what I can do. Okay. So the melody starts in 6-8. But when I started the melody, it goes in 4. And I'm playing on the seven string viper on that song. You know, listen to the sound. It's actually okay. It's really clean, beautiful. That's BF1. It was so good, man. Actually, just bought two more. I was <laughs> going to ask you where that unit is. Yeah, I have, I have, I have, I have one that it's kind of uh, um, died out, and I just found two on eBay, and I bought them. You know, 
100 bucks a piece or something. I mean, yep. it's ridiculous. But I have two more just in case I want to recreate this. I have a pedal that I cannot live without. It's my uh, my Boss HR2 Harmonist. Oh. And I have three of them. Yeah. See? And it's because they're discontinued. Yeah. And nothing that has come out since does what I want it to do. Yeah, exactly. I, I, so I've got I've got one in my rig, I've got one in my attic, and I think I got one more somewhere else. Yeah, but it's just just in case. Yeah, and it's funny because I used to make fun of Mark Wood with his little zoom bugs, a piece of crap that he had, and and I I went like, dude, they're so much better. But he says that's the sound I like, and now I understand. Of course, I was just making making but that's, fun of that's him. That's his sound. That's his sound. Right. I understand that that VF one sound was the sound of of, of heading north. Okay. That record, that Viper, with the heading with the you know it was just the perfect combination. The sound is so like when we mixed it, it didn't touch it. My engineer barely touched it. Nice. You know, so I can tell you when you listen to that record, it is pretty much. You know, it's just the volume through the VF1. You know, and um, but it, that's to me is very important. Also, feeling inspired by. By the effects or by the machine, sure. You know, and using it to complement.
So anyway. you mentioned before um, that you were from a village in Venezuela. Yeah. So take us back. I guess maybe sort of let us know where all this started. When you started playing, what you're like, you come from a musical family, right? Yeah. Well, my dad is uh, my. There's a lot of music in my family. I grew up in Barquisimeto. It's a small city. Uh, my dad is uh, my dad is from a town called Carora, which is renowned for their guitar players. My, my dad plays guitar in cuatro, which is the little ukulele type of okay. four-string guitar, typical of the right. national instrument in Venezuela. And my dad is in the in the folk music circles is renowned for one of the best. And uh, even though he was never technically a professional musician, he's as good as anybody I know. Um, so I grew up in a household where there was always music. Um, my mom loved Motown. Mm-hmm. So we have all this Motown. So I grew up in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I feel at home when I listen to Motown. And to me, it's, it's, it's like a um, comfort food. It's comfort music. Seriously. Anything Motown to me is comfort music. And when I listen to it, it's like if I'm stressed, that's the music I play. It relaxes me. Um, because it's the music my mom played. Mm-hmm. But my mom... My, I told you my grandparents are Italian, so we listen to a lot of opera. Mm-hmm. I used to sit uh, with my grandpa on Sundays on his lap, and he will play the broadcast from the Met. Oh, okay. You know, on, on Sundays. And we listen to opera on the radio. And he will tell me the stories of Aida or whatever it was, La Traviata, or, you know. Um, so, and this is me, by the time I was, you know, seven, I was exposed to all this music. Then my mom said um, that I had to play an instrument, you know, and um, I said I wanted to play piano. So they, at six, they put me on piano lessons, and I had a terrible piano teacher. He used to hit my knuckles when I played wrong notes with a pencil. You know, that's child abuse. Right. <laughs> Nowadays, you can sue them. <laughs> but back then, who knows? My mom was like, oh, wow, that's a wrong note. They'll do it again. And he hit my knuckles. That hurts. I don't know, try that. Hit yeah. your knuckles with a pencil. And I told my mom after a few lessons, I don't want to play the piano anymore. And my mom said, Well, listen, you gotta play an instrument. You know, in this house, every of every single one of my kids has got to take music lessons. So she was very you know, in those days you said yes, mom. You're right. You can't argue. So my dad took me to the symphony to see the orchestra so I could pick an instrument. You know, and we sat on the right side in front of the cellos, second row. And I remember they were playing Beethoven Seventh Symphony. And I was by the cellos, and I went like, "Wow, that is an amazing instrument!" And I just fell in love with the cello. And I said, "Daddy, I made up my mind. I want to play the cello. It's great." Let's go sign you up at the conservatory. Yeah. And uh, this is when the conservatory had been taken over the El Sistema. The El Sistema was starting. This is, you know, 1975. Mm-hmm. This whole thing, I mean, I didn't know I was in the middle of it. I was, right. I was just there. <laughs> I don't take claim for it. I, I was just there. But, uh, and then this very nice lady said, oh, and so I said, what, what instrument do you want to play? I said, I was ready. I was to that moment. I said, I want to play the cello. And she looked at me and said, oh, sorry, honey. We don't have little cellos. We only have little violins. And I went, okay. So they gave me a fiddle. 
you know, a little violin. And yeah. that's why I play violin. I wanted to play cello. <laughs> that's so, why you like the octaves trained. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a frustrated cellist. And my wife makes fun of me. My friends <laughs> make fun of me. Uh, and, and, and I remember I told this story to Yo-Yo Ma and he loved it. When he coached my, I used to have a tr string tri uh, piano trio, and he coached my piano trio, and I told the story, so I'm a frustrated cellist. <laughs> Have you ever tried playing cello? Uh, oh, yeah, I took, I, took, I took cello lessons and everything. I can't play cello for nothing. No, I was so horrible. But uh, my, I you're, took, you're coming at the string from the wrong oh, side. Oh, from the wrong, oh, no, it's, it's, it's awful. I mean, I tried, trust me, yeah. I did. I considered change, uh, no. Then I said, oh, no, 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 I can't do this. But um, but I'm a big cello fan. I'm very well versed on the repertoire, and I know all the cellists. And that's awesome. you know, I've you my cell phone and my phone. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> um, but that was kind of a, my environment, you know. And at the meantime, growing up, my dad every weekend in my house was jam. I used to call. Oh, they come my, 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 my dad, drunken friends, you know, all this bunch of guys drinking and playing music. I had no idea who they were, you know. They were my, and my dad would say, Jesus, come, stop playing the classical, come here, you learn some, you know. And I will sit, you know, with my violin and my, okay, we're going to play the song. And then we'll start singing. I said, okay, play something. And I will go, dad, what, what key is it on? And he will hit me, you know, that, that father's in the back of your head. Yeah. <laughs> give you that snap on the back of the head. Yeah, my son knows it well. Exactly. <laughs> and, and he said, you never ask what key. You just jump in. You listen. Yeah. Open your ears. Open your ears, you know. Um, what keys is in there? Can't you hear? Can you hear? You know. So that was, that was a <laughs> improvisation one-on-one. <laughs> but now it's a professional. I realize that those friends of my dad are one of the most renowned musicians of the time. That's awesome. One of the greatest composers, Italo Pisolante, came to my house. He was hanging with my dad. I used to play the songs with him. There are the classics. Motivos is a very famous uh, uh, romantic bolero you know, song. I played that song with the composer. Of that song, yeah, like, I don't know. It's, it's I don't know. It's not my dad's old friends. You know, I, I had no idea, and now it's it's like one of my most cherished memories sure. because I remember it very well. Not only him, I mean, a lot of uh, Italo Pisolante and and uh, uh, was one of my favorite because he he wrote great songs. But uh, uh, Jesus Sevillano, that I remember Jesus because he had the same name as me. Sure. is a very famous singer. You know, all these people went through my house. I didn't realize. My dad knew them all. To I was a kid, right. you know. And but those moments really impacted my life. I always tell my students that keep your ears open because what you absorb it might take you a few years to really make sense out of things. And this is what happened to me. Years later, when ah, this is what they were doing, or this is what he was saying. Right. My dad, I want a big violin competition when I was 11. It's a big deal because I won on the next cat, I won on the 15 year old category. Okay. But I was 11. And I was so happy and so proud. My violin teacher was happy. And, uh, 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 and I remember my dad was very proud too. And then he said, uh, 
he gave me a piece of advice. And he said, Jesus, I'm very proud of you. It's, it's really amazing what you've done in such a little time. But don't ever forget that you're not going to be a real musician until you can play what's in your head. Mm. And I went like, yeah, that, whatever. Right. <laughs> you know, and it took me 10 years to figure it out that he was absolutely right. And then I spent the next 10 years after that trying to do just that. <laughs> but, but you see, I mean, I was very fortunate to grow up in this environment of no labels, no boundaries. My dad told me I could play anything, you know? And he wanted to teach me cuatro, but because he was so good. I did not want to have to be compared to him. Right. Everybody, all my musicians' friends, I didn't realize that my dad was so respected. Like, oh, no, no, I said, we're not going to play in your house. Well, not with your dad. Like, no, we're afraid of him. <laughs> right. You know? We and don't go I, to Michael Jordan's house and shoot free throws. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It was, it was like that. But to me, it was, come on, dad, it's my dad. Right. So no, no, dude, your dad, your dad is like the perfect ear. It's like, you know, the, the genius harmony maker, you know, thing. Um, and I never understood that. <laughs> uh, but, but thanks to him and to him exposing me to all this stuff is that I got my start. This is before I was 10. Mm -hmm. Then my older cousins introduced me to Led Zeppelin and, you know, Deep over. Purple. Yeah. And, oh, and then I was in love. Then my life really changed. I mean, I, I tell people, and I told this to Jimmy Page and Robert Plant in their faces. They changed my life. Because the first time I listened to that record, I was, uh, something clicked in my head. And right. I mean, you can uh, play all the Suzuki stuff you want, but the first time you hear Cashmere, you go like, what? The? What have I been doing with my life? Yeah, and that's, I call that just one of the highlights of my career was to play that with them, you know, in the orchestra. I got to play in the orchestra with them. And, uh, and I tell people, wow, it's so, I, I don't make a big deal out of that. For me, the big deal is more personal. Mm -hmm. First of all, because I got to meet them. We got sure. to talk. We got to share the stage. But uh, it, it, it meant to me like full, full circle. And I remember getting out of the plane on the last tour, the last concert that I played with them, and thinking, now what? Yeah, because how do you top that? How do you top that? And I remember my friend, cello player, says, no, you don't. You move on. Yeah. Great piece of advice. Sure. So I did. I moved on. So I, I try not to kind of cash in and say, oh, I did this things because... Really, I was just a violinist that they put the piece of music and I played it. That I, I don't want to take credit for them. Sure. For me, it was a fun gig. Sure. But it was a gig. I didn't improvise. I didn't write anything. Yeah, but you're playing with Led Zeppelin. Exactly. The, the it, exactly. And for me, it was so special. And the fact that I got to tell them the story, the story I'm telling you, I told them, and they were, wow, that is really cool, and you know, they loved it. You know, because it, it influenced me so much, and I never thought that could ever happen to me. Sure. You know, I come from a town that doesn't sometimes show on the map. You know? Um.
All right, this tune is called Ultra, also from Heading North. It really shows how wide Jesus' stylistic range is. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Electric Violin Shop. In a lot of ways, EVS is the center of the Electric Bowed Strings universe. I mean, they carry 19 different manufacturers of instruments, plus a bunch of different amps, bows, cables, loopers, effects, cases, and they have a luthier who sets up each instrument that goes out the door and can do repair work on your instrument should you ever need any. In addition, EVS is committed to providing tons of free content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube in the form of teaching videos and weekly live streams hosted by yours truly. Interviews such as this one, giving insight into the minds of the greatest artists alive, and some really cool pictures and articles. EVS is also extremely supportive of the artist community, using their platforms to share content from and promote the work of some of the most creative people we find on the web. No other shop devotes this level of energy and resources to support the modern string community. So when you're looking for your next instrument or bow, call the people who not only have the widest selection and the most expertise to help you make the best decision, but they also care about how you use this equipment to advance your art. ElectricViolinShop.com My dad taught me to work really hard, and he told me not to be mediocre. He says, whatever you do, please, please, it's like when you talk to your son, yeah. it's like, please, please, whatever you do, you can do anything, but please don't be mediocre. And that's why I'm so picky with things that I put out, sure. or videos, or songs, I take, everything takes forever for me. I take a long time, until it's not, if I put it out, I approve. So I get, like, it, get it right. Get it right. Or at least put something out that I'm happy with. I can listen to it. Sure. You know? And it's funny because you don't listen to your own records. And the other day, I wanted to, sh some friends of mine were in the house and my wife wanted to show them. And then she played it and I'm like, oh, that's not bad. Oh, I forgot about that. It's like, I haven't listened to it in such a long time. Yeah. Every now and then I'll, I'll get on this kick where I'll go back and listen to some of my old stuff. I'm like, I don't know whether to be proud or disappointed. Because yeah. it's like, I'm proud that it was good. But maybe I'm disappointed. I'm like, I, thought, I sort of feel like I'm better than I was 20 years ago, right? Uh-huh. But then I listen to that old stuff. I'm like, I mean, I'm not that much better. Because yeah. I was kind of good. <laughs> well, something like that happened to me. I was, I was in Chicago, and I'm driving in my car. That's when iPods had just come out. Mm -hmm. And I have my iPod on shuffle, and I'm listening in my car. And then this uh, um, Corelli Sonata, oh, Handel, Handel. Handel Sonata comes in, violin and piano. And I'm listening. Who's, who's this? You know, I'm, I always pride myself with guessing with the violin. Right. Who's this? Is this Rachel Barton? Did she record that? Tell me. I mean, the, the Handel Sonata. And I'm like, no, but I don't have that record on my iPod. Which record do I have on my iPod with that? And I pulled over to look who that person was because I liked it so much. It was a, an old recording of mine. 
That's awesome. And I felt so happy. That guy's playing it just like I would. It, it just makes sense and stuff. And, and the quantity of it was a concert that I played. I remember it in Mills Hall in uh, Milwaukee. And somebody sent me the recording. And for some reason, I guess the CD ended up. And yeah. I don't remember putting it on my iPod. So I had no recollection right. of putting... Steve Jobs put it on your iPod. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... And, and then you realize, it's, it's a reinforcer, because like I said, this recording was like 10 years old, but um, but it made me say, okay, okay, I gotta do better now. Right. I gotta do better now, you know. And that's been the constant um, inf- uh, motivation for me. It's like, okay, I did this. And a, a lot of people have been asking me for, for a long time, so where are you gonna do the follow-up to Heading North? Heading, why are you going to do the heading on? And, and, and I don't know what to do, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, because heading north was such a push forward. And then it dawned on me last year, and I decided what the follow-up was heading north is. And the title of the album, this first official announcement that I've told anybody, Desde el Sur. Okay. From the South. Yeah. Is a record... It's the same format. It's a six-piece band where I'm going to play music based on the music that I grew up with. So it's a record based on Motown, Full Circle, on Led Zeppelin tunes, some folk tunes. It's going to be, the, I mean, all original songs, but based on this music that I was listening. That Even heading north had a lot. I mean, it has a lot of funk. Right. You know, because I grew up listening to funk. You know, so I love funk and... Uh, but this is going to be... If you don't a, like funk, you're just a bad person. I know. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. I know. But this is going to be a more a personal record from that point of view. And now, obviously, I'm doing it under different circumstances, too. And have, sure. you know, um, better conditions and, you know, more resources. Than and technology, recording technology, and processing yeah. technology, yeah. In, even in the last three years. Yes. Is... You know, I tell people that the garage band that I can get on my iPhone yeah. is a hundred times more powerful than anything the Beatles ever had. Yeah. Oh, my God. For so sure. What, what the heck is my excuse? Right? Exactly. 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 I always say that to remind myself of, of my, my first violin teacher was a no excuses kind of guy. And our, we were graded because we were a conservatory. And it was pass fail. Oh. Yeah. You get an A. Or you fail. If you got a B, you fail. You know, and uh, so I, that kind of hunts hunts me a little bit. You yeah. know, I was like, um, so I use the same motivation. It's like, okay, the Beatles use, you know, two four tracks. Yeah. Two, you know, that's and, and look and at what they made. Everything, yeah. everything around. Right? What excuse do I have? You know. Um, that's always a huge motivation for me. Sgt. Pepper was recorded on four tracks. I know. It's ridiculous. But, again, that, like, for me, is more motivation. Because right. saying, okay, I need to... It makes me dig deeper into that technology. Okay, how far can I take this technology then? You know, which is what I'm doing with new equipment. When I got my new Helix, it's like, okay, I've been processing sound for a long time. That's a game changer, isn't it? It's a game changer. And I'm going like, I'm afraid to take it out yet because I'm not done with it. I'm scratching the surface. Because I'm going, okay, how am I going to layer stuff? I mean, I'm 
thinking very deeply. You know, I learned a lot of layering with the, with the engineers that I work mm -hmm. on different things, you know, and I'm learning the new software on that, but it's amazing. I, I had mine for three days and I took it out. Yeah, well, I, I and, took and, mine out after and, two yeah. weeks for a gig, a small gig, you know, something. Yeah. And, and I only had four patches, you know, and people that have heard me play before said, what the hell was that? And I went like, oh, did you hear the difference? I said, Jesus, it was, it was like amazing. What was that? I said, is this new pedal board I've got that I'm yeah, just not even going to say, well, whatever you're doing, man. And, and I'm, so just, I got, I'm just roughed in at this Roughed point. in, yeah. yeah. But I got feedback from people that are not musicians but know me. And, and people, obviously, I trust. A friend of mine who's a big music fan, you know, and he was in the audience, and he gave me great feedback. I said, man, you got the sound. It was just, you know... Even the, the sound guy was like, wow, what is that? The definition of sound. It, yeah. uh, of the tone, the clarity. Yeah. The, the, you can hear all the everything. edges and cracks and you can hear everything. Yeah, and what I like the most is that that is the way I play. You know, I'm showing you. I, I work really hard with the bow to do things, mm -hmm. you know, to, you know, ghost notes or things, you know. Right. And they're just pop out. Sort of like the difference between a rough carpenter and a, and a, and a cabinet maker yeah. or a furniture maker. Exactly. Yeah, it's, you know, anybody can bang a couple of two-by-fours together and, and call it a frame, but it's the guys that make furniture that have just these, you know, the, the millimeters matter. Yes. And, uh, and, and when you've been playing long enough and if, you're, if your sound is refined enough, that's, it's at the very edges mm -hmm. where you hear the differences for yeah. sure. Yes. been listening to a lot of music from Jesus' solo album, and we will have some more. But this track and the next one you'll hear are from a project called the Nima Collective. Nima Rezai is a master of the Chapman stick, an incredible instrument you'll have to see to believe. Jesus did three albums with Nima. This is a tune called Division. Excited. I can't wait for that thing. So I'm very excited about the Helix and I'm very excited about this mic because uh, the, you have an audio one because it gives me such depth in the acoustic sound when I put it through it. And I tried it with my own, I have a PA. So mm -hmm. I put the PA in my, like put yeah. it up and I tried it and I built, like I told you, a little small pedal board with just a little bit of room to run it through any PA, you know, mm -hmm. so it will sound as, as clear and as acoustic as possible. So it's still a work in progress, right? but everything as always is. But I'm very excited because it's, it sounds big and the Helix, uh, what that's going to do for me, I can't wait, you know, uh, 
and uh, yeah so I mean I'm, I'm always this is this is my kid part you know I'm always like a kid yeah. when I'm in the studio and I'm sure you are you sound like you're like it's like yeah what am I gonna do today you know so you sit and you put all your toys together and you start hooking cables and things and well, I have a studio um, in my house. Yeah, so more me too. Yeah, that's where I. Yeah. That's where I go. There's, you know, my wife is a, is yeah. a music widow. <laughs> my, I call it the studio. My son calls it the studio. My mom, my 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 wife calls it the hole. Yeah, he's in the hole. <laughs> we haven't seen him in four hours. I, I no He'll come out in four hours for food or something. You know. Yeah, and they don't. Nobody will come bang on the door. Yes, because I might be in the middle of a take. Or Actually, something. I have a friend. So they'll text me because yeah. I know I leave my phone on silent while I'm in there. Yeah. They'll text me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, are you coming down for supper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's the thing. I'm the cook of the house, by the way. Okay. So she says, We're getting hungry here. She's like, Come make dinner. Get downstairs and get out and make us some dinner. You know? And uh, yeah, I get that a lot. And I have this sign. My, my dear friend, uh, David Calcaño, is an illustrator. Mm -hmm. And then he makes a series for Rush. I don't know if you've seen the Confantoons and all the Rush. You know, okay, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And uh, he made me a, a, a door thing. Uh, the, the, you hang in the door, and this right. is a professor at work. You know, <laughs> with, with a picture of, of, of you know, uh, uh, the guys from Rush. And, if they, you know, right. and uh, the yeah, professor at work, you know, it's like I'm there. If the thing is hanging in the door, my, my son yeah. better be knocks at the door. No me molesta. No me molesta. <laughs> <laughs> they know, you know, but sometimes. It's it's amazing, you know, with kids, you know, because my son has is growing up listening to all this stuff. And the other day, he opened the door, cracked the door open, and says, "Daddy, what is that that you're doing?" I said, uh, "Oh, this and that. Why? It sounds really good." And that I almost yeah. cry, man. Oh, that's a keeper. I almost cry. It was so special to me that my little son was only seven years old, but he's listening all the time. He's sure. listening to me all the time. It's funny when he was four. He was at school, and they asked him, what does your daddy do? You know, at a school, in a pre-K. Sure. You know, so it's like pre-K. And he says, oh, my daddy, he practices the violin. <laughs> That's my profession. What does your daddy you, you do? Practice. My daddy practices the violin. I guess I'm doing it right. Exactly. So I, like, <laughs> I guess, see, tell, tell my, my students and stuff that I do practice. You know, I do fine. what I preach. You know, I, <laughs> I follow Itzhak Perlman's uh, commandment uh, of, of always practice slow. You know, he says, oh, practice yeah. slowly. Because I remember the first time I met him, you know, he signed my record, you know, he says, uh, to Jesus, you know, from Itzhak Perlman, practice slowly. And then he told me he signs that to everybody. That's you awesome. know? <laughs> but, um, and, and, and that's my thing. I like to, I'm a burner. You know, I like yeah. to burn. Uh, and I tell my students, and I tell my son who's learning the guitar, you can't play it fast if you can't play it slow. Oh, hello. If you that can't is... play it slow, you can't play it fast. The, oh, can we do it at the speed? I can only do it at the speed. That means you don't know it. Yeah. I tell them. If you cannot slow it down, that means you don't know it. Uh, but to me also, playing slow is the best way to memorize. Yeah. You know, because I, you know, I have actually a degree in math. <laughs> My first degree is in math. So I'm a mathematician and I work that way. So if I put the structure slowly in my head I will never forget it I don't have photographic memory but I have a, a, a way to practice that I memorize it people tell me what do you do to memorize and I say I practice yeah. 
That's what I do. That, you know? That's always my answer. <laughs> How do you memorize it? If you can't, if you don't have that piece memorized, it means you have not played it enough times. Exactly. You you you, you cannot whistle it. I yeah, tell people you, whistle. You haven't played it enough <laughs> different ways either. Yeah. 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 No. Absolutely. So I like that. <laughs> I like that. And it's true. I mean. Sometimes I go on a tour with a band and I have to learn 20 tunes, 25 tunes, you know, that's a working musician's sure. life. And that's how I do it. I first have a good listen to everything. And if I cannot hear the song in my head, I don't know it, you know. And then, after I do that, then I start playing. You know I how I'll test myself, because I'm a singer too, mm -hmm. how I'll test myself to know if I know the lyrics to a song right? Mm-hmm. Say I'm going to sing this tune, and I, okay, I've, I've got it. I've got the tune. Now I'm going to turn on my radio. I'm going to put on some Blake Shelton or some no. ridiculous thing that's completely different from what I'm singing, and then I have to sing my song with that thing blasting at me. If, oh, if that's I a good one. I can sing my song with Katy Perry yelling at me, <laughs> then then I know my song. I like that. If I can't sing over a different song, then I don't know it. something I did in college. Uh, my teacher, uh, Larry Shapiro, one of my teachers in college, uh, Larry Shapiro, said, you know, uh, that I have to listen to me more. Listen to yourself. You know, listen to yourself. And it says, Jesus, it has to be like an auto-body experience where you can see yourself from above. And yeah, that all sounded perfect, but I didn't understand. Right. <laughs> you see what I mean? I, I, I mean, I understood, but I didn't get it. And one time, I was there was a practice room in the basement of the music school, you know, and the power in the middle of the storm, the power went out. So it was absolute pitch black. And I was practicing, and I continued to practice sure. with my eyes open, but I couldn't see anything. Oh, that's that was a weird yeah. feeling. But then I could hear everything. I could hear everything. And just in that instant, I got it. Weird. Yeah. So I recommend I to, need to do that because my practice yeah. room doesn't have any windows. Exactly. Try shut the lights off. Shut everything off. Eyes and open. Your eyes are open. Yeah, because when you close your eyes, something yeah, something happens. does change. Yeah. But when you have your eyes open, but you cannot see anything, not even a shiny, not even a light, nothing. Something happens in your brain, and it's just something popped, and I understood perfectly what he meant. And to this day, I do it to my students sometimes. You know, yeah. it's like I turn all the lights off. 
I was going to say these things, uh-huh. these phones. I'm waving an iPhone around for y'all uh-huh. listening. <laughs> these things will help you do that out of body thing too. Yeah. Set it up and record Done. yourself, yeah. and you're going to hear stuff that you didn't hear. Oh my when god! You were playing. I and and uh, even back then, and this is in the late '80s and early '90s. Uh, Larry Shapiro, my teacher, had a, a boombox in his studio, and he would record. You bring a tape to every lesson. Have every lesson with him tape. Oh wow! And you know how horrible those things record. Yeah. So even if you play beautiful, it yes, sounded yeah. like crap. Yeah, it's all scratchy. And yeah, but that's the reference. Sure. And he will say, "This is how you sound. Go practice." Come on, I'm better than that. Uh, and you go like, "No, no, no you're no, not. No, you're not. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. you're not. The tape will not lie, no the matter how bad you want tape it to. Will not <laughs> lie." Yeah. You can sweet talk it all you want. It yeah, won't lie. exactly. And then you become, uh, that's what I, t- I tell my students, that's when you become honest with yourself. Mm. And it's that level of honesty that is what truly takes you to the next level and really helps you understand how do you sound. And I remember the first time I did a recording session, I was in college, and some guy was making a movie, some b-movie thing and they was looking for a violin he offered me 50 bucks for the lesson and 50 bucks for me at the time was like 50 million dollars sure. there was no difference i was so poor and i went to do the session and i remember I, he played me some tracks and put a mic and i played stuff and and uh i thought it sounded good you know thought, okay and then he played it back and it was the most awful thing i have ever heard and I went like, is that me? It was, yeah, this one. Oh, it's great. And I'm like, oh, no, sir. That is not great. We're going to need another take. We're going to need another take. <laughs> and I remember doing take after take after, and it sounded awful. I just couldn't understand how awful that was. And that set off an obsession with me of learning how to record. Mm, it's a whole different animal, isn't it's it? It's a whole different animal. And the funny thing that has become my main source of income now, <laughs> you know, but it's an art that I developed with hundred million hours of recording myself that I can tell. And I think everybody should record themselves because that tells you the truth. So that makes the connection because this is what happens when you, let's say you know how this tune goes and you know how you want to play it. When you play it, what you hear in your head is how do you want to play it, right. not how it actually sounds. Well, it comes back to what your dad said. Exactly. You know, when, when you can make other people hear what you're hearing. Exactly. Now you but know. I achieved that by recording myself. Mm-hmm. So I make all my students record themselves because I tell them that's the truth teller. There's no way to argue with the tape. Even though it's digital now, we're using phones. Right, yeah. That's how <laughs> you know we're old. We keep yeah. saying tape. <laughs> old kids are here talking. Old tape. What is a tape? And but that's that's how you tell. You know. Oh, I didn't do that. Yes, you did. Look, let's go to tape. You know, I still use that that phrase. Let's go to tape. And uh, in in my studio, I have a camera set up in a way that I just push. It's right. Oh, there. nice. You know, uh, just to to show them. You know, um, I don't, unfortunately, I don't teach much anymore. I don't have a, enough time to teach. When I teach, I like to commit to my students. Sure. I'm doing so much right now that I don't have time. 
but I have a few, and I have some others that have been former students or uh, people that are, uh, even I have a couple of professionals that come to get ready for auditions. My specialty, I call it preparing people for auditions. Okay. You know, if, you, if you're scared to death to play an audition or you feel they're unprepared, give me a call, you know. <laughs> uh, we can do a Skype lesson. I mean, I mentally prepare people for auditions because I've done a hundred thousand auditions in my life. So I know, I kind of developed my own little art out, yeah. out of it. You know? Hey, if you're listening... He, he's serious about that. Look, look him up. He, he can get you through your audition. I can get you through your audition. I'll prepare you. Uh, no, it's just that um, I've been fortunate enough to work with people that helped me prepare for auditions, too. So this is kind of a combination of my experience and training that I had by other people. And uh, uh, this guy that I met at Juilliard at a conference who actually wrote a book, and he was a military guy and, and trained us how to prepare for auditions. And the military way, you know, he will have you run around the block, you know, and come all sweaty and says, and okay, play. and he will, he will yell in your face, play, and I'm playing like the Baja Daggio, and he will yell like a, like a sergeant in your ear, play, 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 and your bow is like bouncing all over, it's like you have no control because your blood is pumping, but that's what happens. It's the only way to simulate that adrenaline. Yeah, adrenaline, that's what he was doing. Yeah, Crazy. So, Yeah. So it's interesting, but yeah, it works. And, uh, so give us just a quick, uh, as we're wrapping this interview up, just give us a quick um, sort of rundown of, of what sort of products you're working on now. You say you're busy. What You're producing some people, right? Yes, I'm producing uh, a few people. Uh, I don't have, again, I'm busy, so I very I pick very carefully what I do. But I have a, uh, this string quintet in Chicago, Electric 5, that it's a kind of former, not student, but she studied with me in one of the summer camps that I teach. She's fabulous, and I, she approached me with this project, and I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be fantastic, and I'll make some time, you know, even if I'm busy. I tell people, always ask, because if the product's good, you make the time, Sure, you know. And then on my own end, I have the Sonora Latina show that's for PBS that does a monster production, yeah. so it's a few years down the road still. Uh, but that takes most of my time these days. I have uh, two smaller uh, uh, three smaller projects that I'm doing, and one is a duet with my pianist uh, that we're finally going to record. I've been playing with him for 20 years. Oh, we're finally awesome. making an album and doing a little tour, getting back together. We haven't played together in about six years now. Um, I had surgery, you know, I was out right. for a while, and now I'm back. So this is my kind of my comeback tour. Kind of, a, we have a few. Uh, we have about 18 dates that we're going to do from now until next year. Okay. And, um, and then I have a, a, a folk, Venezuelan folk music project, a couple projects that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I love the cuatro. The Venezuelan cuatro is one of my favorite instruments. My dad, it just reminds me of my dad, too. So it's kind of a nostalgic that way. And my dad is, is very old. It's not going to last as much longer. You know, he's 85. He's not in good health. And I, I want to do something kind of homage to him. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a, a, a duet with the cuatro, like I used to play with him when I was little. Sure. But this, this I'm calling uh, duets in 5-4. Mm. And 5-4 is the most typical rhythm in Venezuela. The Venezuelan merengue okay. is in 5-4. It's not in 6-8, it's in 5-4. Uh, or in 5-8, I'm sorry, in 5-8 instead of 6-8. And, uh, and I play five-string violin and he plays a cuatro so the five they're kind of yeah. words and then we're doing a little tour with that and we're going to record it live 
Okay. We're going to record it live. And then out of that, I'm doing, uh, when I was little, my dad took me to this uh, folk violinist in Venezuela. His name was pa uh, Pablo Canela. You know, um, Paul Cinnamon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pablo Canela. He was a, a, a um, composer of folk tunes. He was a fiddle player, self-taught, you know, player all crooked like good old fiddle players. But around my hometown, he was very famous. And when I started violin, my dad took me yeah. to him to learn folk tunes. Yeah. So I learned all his tunes. Yeah. And uh, nobody has done uh, an, an homage album to him. So I'm okay. grabbing a few of his songs and recording in the same setting that he had with the local musicians and everything. And I'm very excited about that. That should be out early next year. You know, All this yeah, recording stuff is yeah. coming right out. So. So busy man. <laughs> so what's your website, Instagram, what's all that? Uh, my website is myname.com, jesusflorido.com. I try to keep it somewhat updated. Uh, everything else, all my other media, Instagram and Twitter is Latin Fiddler. And Latin Fiddler is the nickname that Mark O'Connor gave me when he met me. Okay. Uh, this is the middle of the 90s, you know, and when, then he took me under his Back name. when he had the mullet. Back when he had the mullet. And yeah. we realized we're both skateboarders. But Mark... It's a very influential person in my life because he he helped me a lot and I looked at him as a mentor and we've done shows together. And, and, and yeah, and he lives amazing. just down the road from us. I know, he just Charlotte. looked at yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I need to get down and hang out with him. Yeah, too. I know, he's a great guy. I, I, I owe him a lot and, and we're, I, I'm, I'm, I can say that I'm happy to call him a friend and uh, a mentor. And, and uh, But he, oh, he's the Latin fiddler and now my company is called Latin Fiddler Music. Okay. And I decided to write it all as one word to make it unique. So yeah, all my social medias, Latin Fiddler, you know, Instagram and, and uh, Twitter and uh, YouTube. I don't have a lot, of, like we were talking, I don't have a, enough videos, so I'm, I mm -hmm. promise everybody I will try to make more videos now. I actually have even a video crew now that I'm working with, so I'm going to start putting a lot of other uh, snippet of things uh, together and uh, as I create more content for the bigger show. Sure. <laughs> Uh, I decided I will do this. I'm going to start reviewing some of the equipment I use or talk about the things I use. I did the, I did the things for the Dario and for the mic. and mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing more more of that as time allows. Uh, and I'm very excited about that. So, yeah. Awesome. And, and feel free to write anytime if you have questions. or um, um, I love to talk to people. So just shoot me an email on my website. and I'm, It comes to my phone, so I have no excuse if I don't write you back. Right. <laughs> You know, I can't, uh, there's no excuses anymore. You can reach me 24-7. That's the bad part. <laughs> That's the bad part. Anyway. Yeah, well, hey, you. man, this has been no, a lot of fun. Is, this it's is really awesome. Nice. Man, We've been you. friends on, on social media for a long time. For a long time, nice yeah. I, feel, I, feel, I, I told my wife I was so excited. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, so, thank yeah. you so much, no, man. Thank I you. appreciate thank it. You. See you around. listening to another episode of Rockstar Violinist. We have been so fortunate to get to interview all these amazing artists, and there are so many more on deck. 2018 is going to be an incredible year. So please check out Jesus Florido at his website, jesusflorido.com. 
Plus, look for Latin Fiddler on social media. Also, please support our sponsor, electricviolinshop.com, and we'll see you next time with another rock star violinist. Violinist.